You're listening to Travel Talk Weekly with Rob and Carrie Stewart, travel experts, authors, and TV hosts. Join them every Tuesday as they take you to amazing destinations all over the globe. Whether it's cruising the seven seas, exploring Europe, or being pampered at an all-inclusive resort, Travel Talk Weekly is your passport to the world. Welcome to part two of Rome. In part one, we gave you an overview of the history of Rome, how to be prepared before your trip, how to get there, and our hotel tips. You've planned your trip. You've flown to Rome. You've already picked your hotel. You got to your hotel. But now let's talk about what to do when you're in Rome. And this one was was pretty easy because we know the, the, the must-dos. So we call this the RK Pro Tip. Yeah, and this is our first pro tip, is if this is your first time to Rome, do not try to do it on your own with a guidebook. Definitely do it as part of a tour, either a private or a small group, or even like one of those bigger motor coach trips. There is just so much that you would miss if you do it on your own, and so many just like little pieces of history that your guides will tell you. And again, you don't know what you don't know. Definitely invest in some sort of tour. When it comes to the must-dos, the should-dos, the can't-miss things in Rome, there are just too many to name here. They would take up multiple shows. So here is what we call our top 10 for visiting Rome. So the first one is St. Peter's Basilica. This is not optional. This is mandatory. You have to see St. Peter's Basilica. And one of the coolest things you can do is, I mean, you go and you visit it, but as you're leaving, you go down that street and you walk away and then you turn around to see the view because most people, they just, okay, we're done with the Basilica. And then they just walk down the road, go grab something to eat. And if you don't turn around, you're missing something that is so impressive. A great photo op. Great photo op. This also pairs with another of our top 10, that is the Vatican and the Vatican Museum. Now this one, you definitely want to purchase a ticket. Again, if you're doing a tour, get the skip the line tour, get the one. I mean, there's so many different tours. You can go into the Vatican and have dinner there. We primarily work with the tour company that is the skip the line because you don't want to wait in line sometimes for an hour or two, sometimes more, just to get a ticket to go into the Vatican. Yeah. And they are the source. You'll find multiple places to purchase it. But if you want to go to the source, that's the company that we use. They actually have all those tickets to skip the line. A couple things to be aware when you are going into the Vatican, there are many places where you cannot take pictures and your guide will tell you these things. And if they you don't follow it, somebody else in there will come up and tell you to take your camera down. I don't care how sneaky you think you are. Do not try to take a picture inside the Sistine Chapel. It's just... See, it, I heard that they've changed that now and they're starting to allow some pictures, just no flash. No flash. But whatever it is, just follow the rules. You don't want to be putting the popo in a foreign country. In the popo. Yeah, that's that's what they call it. That's Italian for crazy police station. <laughs> <laughs> but both um, St. Peter's Basilica and Vatican Museum are in what's called Vatican City. So this is, you're still in Rome, but Vatican City is like right it's its own. It's, it's its, its own, own city. city state is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like its own country. They call it a city state. They have their own police force. They have the Swiss Guard. It protects the Pope. Definitely put that one on your must-do. So that's two of them. Another must-do. And again, don't fight us on this. You have to go to the Colosseum. This is the iconic symbol of Rome that everybody has to get a picture of. And the crazy thing is 50,000 Romans at one time could pack the stadium to cheer on their favorite gladiator as they fought to their death. 
arguably the very first sports icons in the entire world. A private tour for this one or a small group tour is ideal. Otherwise, you're going to miss so many things. You're going to walk around and say, oh, look, nice concrete benches. Oh, look, is that where they had the lions? You got yeah. you got to have someone with you that knows the Colosseum. When we tour any cities in Italy, we're always with a tour guide that is from the area. If it's Rome, they are a Roman. If it's Venice, they're a Venetian. And it makes a big difference. And you can ask questions. The Colosseum, though, very impressive. It can get super busy during the high, like the peak times oh, of the it year. It gets really packed. And so that's another reason to be in a tour because you can skip the lines and get right in and you'll see all of the best things that you need to see on at the Colosseum. Next up, the Roman Forum. For centuries, the Forum was the center of day-to-day life in Rome, the site of triumphal processions and elections, the venue for public speeches, criminal trials, and gladiatorial matches. It's in the heart of Rome, and it is included on many of the tours, and we loved it. You could walk right out of the ancient Forum and right into a very modern restaurant for a meal, a nice drink, or a gelato. Yeah, the Forum's pretty neat. Most people, they just think of the Colosseum. The Colosseum and the Forum together as a tour are a great pairing because you'll learn about a lot of the history that happened over in the Forum. That was one, the first time we did it, I didn't even think about the Forum. I was just thinking about the Colosseum and this was just kind of part of the tour. But I actually think there's some even bigger surprises and some fun things to see over in the Forum. Number five, if you're keeping score, the National Museum of of Rome. And they have several branches throughout the city, and it focuses really more on ancient Rome. They also have the greatest collection of Roman sculpture anywhere. Yeah, lots of sculptures in Rome for sure. Now, all of those that we just mentioned, they do require a ticket. And so you'll want to plan for that and budget for some of that. But there are some really great places you can see that have no admission. So if you're on a budget, some of these you may kind of up on your list. And the first one is the Pantheon. Originally built as a Roman temple, it's now a church. It was commissioned by Marcus Agrippa. You can see his name on the outside. But it was completed by the Emperor Hadrian, who's very famous for Hadrian's Wall up in the UK. It's one of the best preserved, I'd say, all of the ancient Roman buildings, and in large part because it's been in continuous use throughout its history. And since the 7th century, the Pantheon has been in use as a church dedicated to St. Mary and the Martyrs. It's made of concrete, which I was surprised to find out was a Roman invention. It's also one of the most influential buildings in art history. It inspired Brunelleschi's Cathedral Dome in Florence, which we're going to cover on another episode, Michelangelo's Dome of St. Peter's at the Vatican, and even the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. That is very impressive, to say the least. And because it is free, it does get quite a crowd. It does. And so you need to plan some time. And our little pro tip for around any of the free places is don't you be dining at all of these places that are right by the free because they know that they have a a big audience. And so there are a lot of touristy traps right around the outside. But it is fun to sit at one of those outside places and just have a drink and watch the crowds. Oh, absolutely. This is one of the great places to crowd watch. And so is the next location on our list. And just a very short walk, like minutes away from the Pantheon, is the very famous Trevi Fountain. It's the largest Baroque fountain in the city and one of the most famous fountains in the world. And I would say it's featured in way too many films to even name. This is the fountain where you make a wish that you will be coming back to Rome and you throw a coin over your shoulder. And by doing so, that means that you will be coming back to Rome. 
which apparently it worked because we did it the first. Actually, we do it every time. Yeah, so we do it every, every time. time. You go to Rome, <laughs> go to the Trevi Fountain, throw a coin, but do it the correct way. Your right hand, throwing it over your left shoulder. In 2016, about $1.5 million US was thrown into the fountain. If you're playing along in Europe, that's 1.4 million euros. That money has been used to subsidize a supermarket for Rome's needy. And again, we totally did that. Got the picture to prove it. We recommend that when you do go to the Trevi Fountain to do it both during the day and then go back at night because it looks totally different. It does. It, when they light it up at night, it is really incredible. Another free thing to do, although if you do it wrong, it will not be free. And that is visiting the world famous Spanish Steps. It's a very, very popular spot in Rome. It is very far away from the Trevi Fountain. So you may want to take a cab or plan on doing a lot of walking. I love it because now you can actually get a good picture of the steps because tourists in the past had kind of ruined it. They were looking for a place to sit, hang out, people watch, and of course, do selfies. With the selfie sticks. And do their <laughs> Instagram stories so they can tell all their friends that they're on the Spanish steps. Italians don't do that. They respect their historical places a lot more than the tourists do. You can now be fined $450 if you are just sitting on the steps, hanging out, eating, drinking, sitting down, taking selfies. So it's not something you want to have to unexpectedly pay for on your vacation. Yeah. So if you visit the Spanish steps, you will want to just walk up the steps. Walk slowly. And walk slowly so you can get maybe some video. But you can walk up and go to a spectacular place that a lot of people miss. This is number nine on our list, and that is the Borghese Gardens. I will say that reminded me a lot of, I'd say, Central Park. It's, yeah. You know, huge park-like setting, lots of just green open areas with paths and little vendors that sell gelato. Really a very, very, a very, very peaceful place compared to sometimes what can be hectic in the city. Yeah, and that's why it is can be a really fun place to visit on your trip. You can rent a bicycle and go through the gardens. There are some tours where they'll explain what some of the history is behind there. There's a lot of sculptures, um, a couple of interesting buildings. Can you rent bikes there? I thought you could. Is that You can. You can. Okay, yep. that's what I thought. Yep. So there are definitely things that you can do, and it is a nice, relaxing day. And it's also very close to the hotel area where we usually stay, so ironically, you can just we walk right staying, over. Ironically, we keep staying in the same area, even though they're different hotels. I know, but we like that area. It works for us. Next up, number 10, last but not least, the Jewish Ghetto. That was a small kind of a food and drink walking tour. What really made it intimate is it was just the guide and two other people besides us. Yeah. And so we got a lot of the history uh, baking bread early in the morning. We went to a bakery. Yep. We got some fresh sandwiches. We got to try some of the local favorites for that time of year because they have different foods. And so there's different seasons for certain things. So during our tour, there was, um, I can't remember what it was called. I have some great pictures of it though, but it was, it was like a flower. Are you trying to mimic that using your I hand? Am is trying your to, hand the flower? My hand is the flower. I'm trying Look to show you what it looked opening. like. Yeah, It didn't look like a hand with fingers. <laughs> I can tell you that. Some really great food down there and the market was spectacular. So we actually went through the market and grabbed some fresh fruit, ate it right there. They taught us the secret for the fountains the that drinking are all fountains. over. So that's what I was going to bring up is that they have these drinking fountains all over, but you kind of have to know how to do them. You have yeah. to put your finger there on that one on this one spot, and then it makes the water shoot out more. But having a drinking fountain built right into the ground out in the open, and people just walk by, they fill their water bottles, or they drink right from it, 
I felt very safe. Yeah. Well, and that's something that only a local will know to share that with you. And especially, I mean, the, the tour guides that we like and that we recommend are, they're Romans. So they they grew up in Rome. They're not from Venice. They are Romans. And so you actually get a lot better information than if it were just like some college kid doing a tour guide internship yeah, from the that's U.S. What we need. It's not the same. We need an intern giving us tours. There you go. (laughs) It happens. Those are our top 10 must-dos. And again, you can do all of this in just like a a three, four-day stay in Rome and really take in a lot. But there are some things that would be really cool to see if you have the time. And some of these you can do just by doing one of those hop-on, hop-off bus tours. There's a pink bus. I love doing that. That was fun. Yeah, that one was really fun. And you, you got to just see a little bit more. And one of the places that you'll go by is called the Cake Topper. And that is really, it's just, it's a building. And it's just very modern. It's in like the roundabout, right in the center of the city. Yeah, it's over by the Forum. And so the bus definitely goes by there. But something cool to see. Again, this is the hop-on, hop-off tour. And that's also across the roundabout from the building that has that outdoor balcony where Mussolini was making his speeches in the late 30s. So lots of history right around there, also right next door. And this kind of goes to the museums that we talked about, is the Palazzo Nuovo. Did I say that right? Yes, you did say that right. Well done. Pretty close. (laughs) This actually has some really beautiful steps leading up to it. And this is where you'll see a lot of the sculptures. And there's a museum up there, but there's also a really cool church. And right outside this church, there are tons of steps and they're pretty steep and there's some story behind it again we were doing the hop on hop off tour so we didn't have a tour guide to explain this but there's something about those steps and how the bride walked up to those to get to the church and they're pretty intense but it's something that you'll see as you go by on the bus tour right before you get to the cake topper again this little area is really cool right outside the um the boundaries for the forum so it's all kind of close by there they also had statues there of romulus and remus Apparently the, the the mythological founders of Rome. Yep. Lots of stuff up there that we never would have seen had a tour guide not taken us back that way. And then we went back to just kind of visit it. A couple of other things you could do if you have the time is to hire a car. So do a private car driver for the day who will take you a little bit out of the city. I recommend you do this maybe around dusk so that you can see the sunset over Vatican City and over Rome. That is simply beautiful. We have done that. Food is so important to both Roman and Italian culture. They have little tours and classes you can take. You know what a good pairing would be for one of your days, if you want to just kind of get out of the city a little bit, is to do a combination of visiting Borghese Gardens and a cooking class to learn how to do some pasta or something. Let's do that next time. Rome has so many great things to do. Pick a couple tours and do it that way. Don't try to do it all. But one thing that you cannot miss when you go to Rome is experiencing some of the incredible Italian food. Our top arcade pro tip for dining, avoid the tourist traps when you can and dine like a local, like a Rick Steves or like Anthony Bourdain used to. If it's a printed menu in multiple languages, odds are it's a tourist trap. If it's handwritten on a chalkboard, it's authentic and the menu changes daily based on the available ingredients. One of the local favorites that we really enjoyed was the one that we um, learned about when we were doing our tour in the Jewish ghetto. And that was, at the time, it was called Gino 51. And now it's called 
Taverna 51, still in the same place. It didn't move. Yeah. And I, I know this because I follow them on Facebook. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't recognize Taverna 51. Oh, it's the old Geno 51. We had gone there when we were over there filming for our show and highly recommended. A little bit of a language barrier there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we wanted to shoot a couple pictures of the food coming out of the kitchen. And the owner mistakenly thought we wanted to take a picture of every single dish that came out of the kitchen. Yeah. So before any food got delivered to anybody's table, they'd bring it by ours. And I'd be like, okay, and we get a picture. We, and this is funny because we started using our, you know, our big Nikon. And then, you know, after like 10, I'm like, just do it on the phone. Put, I know. put, put the Nikon <laughs> away. For those of you that wonder, we shoot on a Nikon D750 with a 24 to 70 f2.8 lens, which is kind of the staple for all photographers. We still use that a lot to this day. When we go to the Disney parks and we travel, that's still our go-to camera. Yeah, some great pictures. And it was great for taking all the pictures of food because yes. that's a, a very um, popular thing to do. Another one of our favorite dining experiences in Rome was a special wine pairing dinner. That and was amazing. This was an exclusive dinner. There are a lot of places that are like this, but it's a family-owned restaurant, and they've had it in their family for a long time. So we went in and we toured the wine cellar that's been there for, I don't know how many... 2,000 years. Yeah, it was like really old. Part of that wall they showed us had been built around the time of Christ. Yeah, so really old, really amazing. And then every single dish was paired with a wine, and it was... Like we've sent so many of our clients and said, you've got, when you're going to Rome, you've got to go do this. That's where we learned about Cacio e Pepe. Yes. It's a very basic pasta staple in Italy. So delicious. Lots of great places. And if you're wondering, well, how am I going to know if it's a great restaurant? I will say that a lot of the hotels, if you ask the concierge, they do have their go-tos and they may not necessarily be like the best locals place. But one of the things that you can do, follow the tip about, you know, if the menu's in 20 million different languages, then it's probably a tourist trap. But also, this is a hack I learned from another podcast, is go on to like Instagram and search for the hashtag Rome food and or food in Rome. And you will see a lot of people who recently have gone to some really great restaurants and you can just pull some stuff up there and take a look at what they're having and if it's somewhere close by where you're going to be. For more information on that restaurant, we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can check it out. But it was it was very intimate. It was you yeah, and I. Very exclusive. Uh, one of the restaurant owners and another couple another couple that are friends of ours. Now, if you're wondering about breakfast, because usually dinner is where you're going to kind of splurge a little bit. Most of the hotels will have a breakfast buffet that's included in your room cost. This is very common, um, but it is going to be more of a European buffet. So this is my style. When we're over there, it's like you make a charcuterie board for breakfast. I know. Well, meats and cheeses. Yeah, it has and meats and cheeses. And, and you're not going to see lots of like scrambled eggs and breads and that kind of thing. That's not what they do. And they hardly even cook the bacon. That's why I don't like it. Yeah. It's almost like rare bacon. I'm like, no, I want it crispy. I want it almost black. When I take a bite, I want the rest of it to fall apart. You've, you've asked a couple places to try to make extra and, crispy, and they don't get it. I don't know if there was a, an English to Italian translation for crispy, but they certainly did not know what they were doing yeah. when it comes to that. When it comes to that. Now, the locals will typically have like a pastry and either like a cappuccino or an espresso. And you'll find these at lots of neighborhood places. Lots of really, really fresh pastries that you will find in breads. Breakfast in Italy, but especially in Rome, it's very fast-paced. And you'll see a lot of the, the, the locals, 
they're going to work. They'll stop in, grab a pastry or, you know, some kind of a croissant or something, some kind of a baked good, and they'll have a cappuccino in the morning. Or a cafe. A cafe. <laughs> Il cafe. Yeah. Now, but in the afternoon, though, it's very common um, after your lunch or in the early afternoon to have an espresso. So if it's four or five in the afternoon, and you're asking for a cappuccino. They're like, oh, tourists. Yeah. <laughs> espresso. You want an espresso, espresso in the afternoon. Now, lunch is very typical. You could grab a sandwich or a slice of pizza, but do not ask for pepperoni pizza when you're in Rome. In Italian, it's actually a pepper. So pepperoni is actually an American thing. The pizza we typically get when we're over there is the margarita pizza. You know, the, the tomato, basil, mozzarella. So good. Very, very basic. And when it's fresh, it's right there. It's coming right out of the oven. And we actually experienced that on part of that food tour we were talking about earlier. Dinner in Rome, like most cities in Europe, is not as much of a meal as it is an event, an experience. It can easily and should last about two to three hours. It's much more fun than a typical restaurant in the U.S. where they want you to eat and leave so they can get more tables. This is an experience. Would you like some more wine? Is it time for an espresso? It's, it's an experience, and Rome and Italy in general, I love having dinner there probably more than any place else in the world. Yeah, it is really relaxing. And that's why it's important to find some of those really good local places that cater more towards the, to that style because the tourist traps, they are just going to like, okay, get in, get out. Keep in mind, again, that tipping is not required and it is not something like you're thinking, okay, do we tip 15%, 20%? They just don't operate that way over there. Yeah, you just look, it's, it's usually going to be a, like a 15% service charge is already included in the meal sometimes, not all the time. If you want, maybe tip a euro or two, but that's about it. So to recap a couple of our pro tips for your next visit to Rome, first off, make a list of your must-dos before you go. So you have a little bit of a plan. And if you can pair it up and find a tour that matches, all the better. And find out on a map where your must-dos are, and you might want to pick a hotel location that's in that area. Do not overplan your stay and definitely plan in some downtime. If you're coming from the U.S., again, it's going to be a five to eight hour time difference, sometimes six, depending on the, you know, if it's daylight savings time or not. It's going to feel very different. I remember when we were there filming that first day in Rome, by the end of the day, I was almost falling asleep in the car on the way back to the hotel. You were falling so, asleep. In okay, the car. technically I was. <laughs> Plan some downtime so you don't overdo it. Another thing, as much as you're going to be walking and moving around Rome, make sure you stay hydrated. Yeah, staying hydrated is key. And when you do land, you're most likely going to get there in the morning, but you need to commit to the time zone that you are in. Because if you go in and you take a nap, your your whole day is going to be off, off kilter. So get there, have a plan of what you're going to do when you arrive. Now, we definitely recommend that whenever you travel anywhere internationally, and when you go to Rome for the first time, try something new. And this usually is in the form of food or drinks. Yes, it is. There are some things we tried. Like one of the drinks that we were enjoying when we were there was the spritzer. And it's all over Italy, but we <laughs> would never we would never get that You're here. You're like laughing when you say the word spritzer. I know. I don't, well, I can picture the drink because it was like that kind of a, a reddish color. It was like a Bartles and James wine cooler. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, it wasn't though. It didn't taste like that at all. It was more of, it was like a, a I don't know, it's called a spritzer. I don't even know what was in it. I think it may have maybe some vodka and some wine I or think something. It, it was, no, it wasn't vodka and wine. Well, now I'm curious. Clearly, I you've gotta... never been a bartender. <laughs> it was just wine and some seltzer water and some flavoring. Okay, so I stand corrected. Go ahead and give us the recipe for the spritzer. Okay, the spritzer is three ounces of Aperol, 
I don't know what that is. I'm sure it's alcohol. Yeah, three ounces of Prosecco and three ounces of sparkling water with an orange and lime slice for a garnish. How nice. That sounds refreshing. <laughs> it does sound refreshing. Now we need to find a place here that makes them. No, we got to go to Italy. We have to go to Rome. I'm in for that. And this is absolutely our number one tip. Experience Rome like a local. Hit the main attractions, but also go down some of those side alleys and find a little hole-in-the-wall restaurant where the menu is on a chalkboard sitting outside the front door. For those of you that follow us on our other show, Disney Travel Secrets, you know that we also own a travel agency. It's called Creating Magic Vacations. We can help you with everything you need when you want to experience Italy like a local. For each destination that we feature, we're going to pick one or two trips that we think you're really going to like. And if you love food and you love wine, this is the trip for you. So this is a five-day, four-night trip to Rome. And it's roughly around, depending upon if you're in the low season or high season, it starts at around 1000 to $1,100 per person if there's two of you going. So that's not a great too value. bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. You just got to get your airfare. But here's what's included. You get a full day Roman countryside excursion with a cooking class, a half day Rome markets and food tasting tour with a local foodie guide. That's the one that we did. I like that one. A half-day espresso and gelato tasting tour around Rome. I we, could use an espresso right now. espresso, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then you'll have some time to explore Rome at your own. This includes your four-night stay at a hotel with a daily breakfast. And it is a first-class hotel, the Hotel Empire Palace. So very nice. And, you know, you can substitute if you want to be somewhere else. And it includes all your round-trip transfers from the airport to your hotel. So a very nice package with some time on your own and lots of great food and wine. I do need to put in a quick disclaimer here. It doesn't mean you're going to go all the way from the U.S. to Italy just for a five-day trip to Rome. This is just a particular tour that we highly recommend. You can add other tours to that as well. Absolutely. I mean, this this is a nice five-day, four-night trip. Keep in mind, this is a Sunday to Wednesday arrival tour only. So you got to be pretty specific on your dates. And it runs from April 1st through October 31st. So there is a limited season for when these happen. And there are some blackout dates. So, you know, there's always fine print. Now it's starting to sound like Disney. I know. (laughs) So if you are interested in this trip, reach out to us and just mention the Rome food and wine. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. Yeah, I like that. Let's just call it that. We'll call it that. The food and wine extravaganza. So reach out to us if we can help you plan your Roman holiday. See what I did there? That was good. Roman Holiday, a great movie film there. Yes, there are so is. many movies. There's so many movies. And that, you know, yeah, there's a lot of movies and that really will inspire you even more to go. Angels and Demons. I remember on our honeymoon that had just come out and we actually did an Angel and Demons tour that yes. went to a lot of the spots that were in that film. That was another fun way to experience Rome. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure you tune in next week as we explore the birthplace of the Renaissance. Florence, Italy. My favorite. But before you go, remember this. It's a great, big, beautiful world. Get out there and see it. Until next time, never stop exploring.